so appreciative of this man of God and his wife who've gone to Rome, Italy to share the good news of the gospel. And those of you know, I am Italian, so there's a soft spot in my heart for Italians to come to know Jesus. Uh, so many of them are religious, but they don't know Jesus. And Joel and his wife Mallory have such a wonderful burden on their hearts to bring the gospel to Rome. Uh, Mallory's not able to be with us, and their beautiful little boy, Luca, who's learning Italian, right, Joel? <laughs> well, let's give Joel a very warm welcome to High Street Worship Center. We're so grateful to have him and to have him minister God's word to us. Thank you so much, Joel. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, church. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here. I actually was blown away by how amazing it is to be reminded that God is not limited to if we say the right words, if we have the right worship team, if we have the right setting. We could have all the words. We could have none of the words. God is still with us. We can have a huge worship team where you can't fit anyone up there. You can have a choir of 80 people, or you can have just yourself alone in your house, and God is there, right? Amen. So I was uh, blessed to, to see that, to hear the worship that continued during this time where we did not have anyone live, but we were able to still be a church together, gathering together, worshiping God together. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to know Pastor Paul and his wife Kathy. It's an amazing uh, team there that you guys have leading this church. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure to get to know them over the past couple years. It's really just the Lord that we even met uh, that guided us together through this journey uh, as missionaries. As you can see, uh, I am not the prettiest in my family. I have a beautiful, beautiful wife, Mallory, and yes, our beautiful son, Luca. Now I am the third most beautiful. Actually, if you count the dog, I'm fourth. She's actually very pretty as well. That's Prada, our little girl. She was our first attempt at getting to know people in our community as we were in Rome. We thought, how are we going to get to know people? Let's get a dog. People there, the birth rate is incredibly low. But the rate at getting a dog is incredibly high. And I've actually seen more dogs in strollers than I've seen children there in strollers. So she was our first attempt. She actually did get us into the community pretty well. Um, and so then from there, since we've been back during COVID, my wife has given birth. So one blessing for us during COVID, because everybody knows through every low, there is some beauty in every hardship. And we've been able to have our son here in the States. And so I was able to see my grandmother become a great-grandmother at 88 years for the first time. Uh, so... Beautiful family only together through God. My testimony would take an entire sermon in itself, so we won't go there today. But um, what I felt to share about today is something that I think we are all dealing with in one way or another, in multiple ways, or one, or, or simply just one, is wait. Wait. Someone I really admire in the faith I met with, uh, it was my mentor's wife actually, and she said, you know, four of the hardest letters put together in scripture that I can't I never like hearing from God is wait. How many of us like hearing it ever, right? Um, but I want to get into that because in being in missions, we've done a lot of waiting. You know, getting into it, you have to support raise, you have to get on field. Then when you get there, you have to learn the language. Then when you learn the language, you have to learn how people talk. It's not the words they use, it's what they mean, right? We all know that anywhere. You could talk to two different people, say the same words, and you'll get a different conversation. So, being in Rome, we've had to learn a lot. A lot has been waiting. A lot has been sitting back, watching, growing with people. I've actually learned that through the time, my, uh, I'm energetic. Surprise, you probably already learned that already from watching me for about five minutes. But I'm energetic, and the Lord has opened up a huge fitness ministry for me. 
something that I've never heard of before, something that I couldn't follow or model. God opened it organically where I found myself in my missional community, as I like to put it. I found myself doing my hobbies, my daily hobbies, and actually opening up gospel-centered conversations there, of which I could then bring out of the gym into discipleship. See, our heart in our ministry, which I'm not here to share completely just about our ministry, I, I do have a word, but our heart in our ministry is to see house church thrive. See, Rome is a place full of over, I think, 900 churches in one city alone, and most of them have turned to museums or have chains on the doors because not many people are going, and that's talking about the Catholic population that's going. We're not even at the Christian population. Rome is less than 1% Christ following. In fact, all of Europe is less than 2% Christ following. It's crazy statistics if you start Googling it and finding the right websites. So our goal is to have organic house church, people who are seeking the Lord on their own. How do you do that? Discipleship. So meeting people in the gym, meeting people, actually even simple relationships like our phone provider. We had several issues and I said, you know what, rather than just going and getting it fixed, let me build a relationship here. And before we left to come back, that man said, I wanna to come to one of your meetings. They don't like to use the word church, they use the word meetings. So I said, okay, when we get back, I promise you, you'll be invited. So our heart, our mission is that, build the church through discipleship multiplication. If you have any desire to know more about that or to get to know us personally, prayerfully when my son feels a little better, he had a little cold today, so we, we let him sleep in. But um, if you desire to get to know us more, I have cards outside on one of the tables or just meet me after. I would love to build a relationship with you and see how you can be part of our team. So wait. Why, why wait? How is wait personal to me? When we first had our little dog that you saw up there, I found myself using the word wait a lot. I'd open the door, wait, 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 wait. I'd go to feed her, wait, 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 wait. My wife and I, we watched Caesar Milan a lot, so we thought that we could be Caesar Milan and teach our dog all the things, and we learned very quickly we are not Caesar Milan. And uh, I used wait probably a thousand times in the first week of having that pup. Now that I have a son, it's even better. <laughs> I use wait probably a thousand times an hour. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. And why? Why do we use the word wait, you know? Some things to think about. Why do we wait? Can you name a time that you've had to wait or are you currently in a waiting season? I dare say a lot of us sitting here probably are in one. We all wait, whether if it's a change in job, waiting on results from a test, that one certain phone call, waiting for a loved one to heal from an illness, waiting for our world to finally get through COVID so we can all move on. My sister who owned her house for about 15 years finally just sold after two years She's gonna judge me because she's probably watching the live stream and say, no, it was three or no, it was one. We'll just say two. She can correct me later. Uh, two years of, of trying to sell that house and she finally sold. So two of her 15 years of living there, we're getting rid of it. Waiting. We wait for things. We wait through things. We wait in things. We wait with things. Wait, I'm probably gonna use wait a thousand times in this sermon before we're over. We wait for a lot in our lifetime. Mallory and I, to be very personal with you as a church today, have been waiting to get back to Rome. First, we had to wait for Rome to get out of being a red zone because if you were just taking a walk in the park, you would be sent home. Rome was definitely in a red zone and now we are trying to finish our funding so we can get back for another three-year term. Waiting, waiting. I'd like to read with you Psalm 27 because, and feel free to turn there, many times when we think of wait, the first verse that comes to our mind as a believer, I'll just speak for myself, the first verse that came to my mind when I felt the word wait was those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It's right there. But it didn't make me feel any better. 
You know, why? Why didn't it make me feel better? I, I, it's nice. It's, it's a very, and all scripture is powerful. So I'm not dissing the scripture whatsoever. But I sat back and thought, what does that mean? I wait on the Lord and I renew my strength. But how? So let's look at Psalm 27. I will read in Joel fashion, so it'll be pretty fast. So feel free to make notes for yourself because the goal is to get to the end here. Uh, but I want to go through it because I believe that all scripture should be taken in the proper context. I believe that many pastors out there will preach a scripture and they will use a thumbnail of something that is a much larger beast that you can tackle together. And when you use that little piece, sometimes you can misconstrue it. And we need to understand what it is we're reading. So this is a Psalm of David, and I'll begin with verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon uh, me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide from your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Perhaps for you guys, somewhere in there, some verse has spoken to you already. I, I suggest you highlight that, you mark that, you dig into that in your time with God. What I, I just felt to share that right now. What I want to focus on is verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And that's Psalm 27. Now we can see David went through a lot as he's writing that. There's a lot there, so maybe one verse will relate to you, but I don't know the last time someone's chased or encamped outside my house to kill me. But there's a lot there where we can feel like that. There's moments in life where we feel like that. Something is camping outside of your heart waiting to get you. And I think that's why David doesn't say, hey, it might help try waiting on the Lord. He doesn't say, hey, I, this worked for me, bro. Might work for you. Wait for the Lord. No, it's a command. Wait for the Lord. And why is it a command? He, de and he delivers it twice. He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And don't raise a hand, but yet again, how many of us are waiting for something from God and it feels like a shut door? How many of us have been waiting a long time? For me personally, more than just waiting for myself to get back to Rome, I've been waiting for several things. But how do we wait? How do we wait well? See, this is the beauty of scriptures. Because if you catch the middle of verse 14, it says, be strong and let your heart take courage. That's very familiar to me. To many of us who have, who have read earlier chapters or books in the Bible, you may 
relate that to Joshua. In fact, the first time I've heard be strong and courageous is Deuteronomy 31.6, which is about Joshua. God delivers to Joshua a message. Moses has led Israel for a long time, a long time. And his time came up. It was ready for him to, to, to go. And so God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I think that's something very powerful. And you can find it throughout Scripture. Many times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Joshua was going to be given this call to lead his people to the promised land, somewhere that the people before him could not do. And he was given this task. And God tells him, be strong and courageous. I wonder how many times that rang through his head as he was marching around Jericho. I wonder how many times that was ringing in his head as he was going into battle, praying, Lord, be ahead of me, but knowing he had to be strong and courageous. That was his command. You see, David takes that same message that Joshua had, and he puts it right here for us. Be strong and courageous. How do we wait for the Lord? Be strong and courageous. What does that mean? Don't be weak. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. See, the enemy works in opposites of this command. Be strong and courageous, but the enemy wants to make you weak. Many times we feel like life. We can call it life, but it's the enemy. He wants to make you weak, scared, dismayed, worried. But the Lord has right here for you. Be strong and courageous. That's how we wait. Don't put all of your hope on the result in waiting, but put your hope in the Lord. See, I think there's a key word there, wait for the Lord. Sometimes we wait just for the result. And if any of you here have served the Lord for longer than a day, you'll learn that results fail you every time compared to God. I cannot just put my eyes on my result. It has to be on the Lord. So wait for the Lord. Don't wait for your result. Because sometimes the results aren't pretty. We live in a very rough world, a fallen world, and the results aren't always pretty. But if you wait for the Lord, there's hope. See, in our mission, we count on building relationships with people. I believe that this is how we should be doing this everywhere, not just in Rome. But we build relationships. That's how we share the gospel. And it takes investment. It doesn't happen right away. Maybe there's someone out there who has this gift, but I don't have it, where I can walk up to somebody and they go, I need to serve the Lord right now. I need what you have. Never have had that happen to me. Um, and if anyone here has, we'll discuss it. But uh, I don't think there's any method to that madness. It's all relationship. It's all relationship. So it takes investment. And what does that mean? It takes waiting. It takes investing into somebody, showing them that you care about them, so that way then they feel safe enough to wonder who it is you serve, what makes you different. My first godly conversation I had in the gym, well, the first two, one was the owner of the gym actually came to me himself and said, you're too happy. And I remember saying to him, isn't everybody this happy? And he goes, no, 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 I've been watching you. You are too happy. And I remember walking away going, hmm. And obviously our conversations from there developed into why I'm so happy. Another conversation that happened in the gym uh, basically was just through me being there, being present, being a friend to somebody. First person came to me and said, I think I can trust you because you believe in God. And I remember standing back, having never spoken to this man before in my life, but him knowing that through the conversations I was having with other people, he felt safe. You know, it's through building relationships. It doesn't happen right away. It takes investing and waiting for that moment where someone will tell you, or waiting for that moment where you can initiate, or where the Lord tells you it's right. See, we leave out the Holy Spirit a lot of times when we think of evangelism. 
I didn't realize how much courage it would take to move from a suburb to a city. See, it's one thing to share where my ministry is, another thing to say, I wake up and step out my front door. I don't have a commute to work. It's right there. I step out my front door. My neighbor, who's Italian but is a Buddhist now because the Catholic Church offended her, so she's Buddhist or probably doesn't believe anything, will ask me a question. Sometimes it's as simple as, do you think my dog will go to heaven? But sometimes it's as heavy as, well, what makes Jesus different from Mary? You know, when we go through this journey into the unknown, there's a lot of waiting. I found that to be true. I didn't realize how much I would slip over the language, how much I would mess up, how hard Mallory and I would try when we first got there to tell people, Jesu Quare. That was it. We had nothing else, but we would try our best to tell them. And we realized not too much longer after is without a relationship, it ends there. It ends with that simple two words. So it takes investment. It takes waiting. So, okay. All right, I got it, Joel. That's how we wait. Be strong and courageous. But it feels kind of lonely, right? I mean, how many of you have felt alone in your waiting? Let's flip over to Hebrews 3. 13. Hebrews 3, I'll give you a minute to get there. How do I not feel alone in the waiting? And all of this is just from personal testimony and personal experience and what I felt to share today. Because I'm going through this as well. And I'm not above it in any sense that I can stand here and say, I found the key, guys. I'm doing great. Just follow what I'm sharing today and you'll be okay. No, we're in this together. We're all waiting in one way or another. So Hebrews 3, Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to skip down to 13. There's a lot to be unpacked in every scripture I'm sharing, um, but just to focus in on 3.13, it says, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And this entire chapter begins with how Jesus has taken his place. He is our high priest. He is above all. But yet we need to encourage each other for fear of unbelief. There's a command there again to be there for your brother. You know, sometimes it's easy to think about everybody outside in the world who doesn't have Christ, who's struggling, who's going through their difficulties. But what about the people in the pews right here? What about the people that you know who have moved to a different church, the people you know who just go to a different church, any believer anywhere who is going through something and needs that encouragement. We should be there for one another. And why? Because it makes the waiting easier. We have a call right here. And I believe it's very clear. I don't think he's speaking at all for about the unbeliever and encouraging the unbeliever. He's speaking about the person sitting with you, the family member who you know could use it that brother in Christ, that sister in Christ who could use the encouragement. It's much easier. We live in such a self-automated world, self-checkout, self-ATM. You can go through your day, get five things checked off your list and not say hi to one person, which is beneficial. I, use, I utilize these things as well. So don't, don't let me act like it's a higher than that. I'm not saying go out there and never use these things. But we live in a convenient society to where you can conveniently not see anybody to where sometimes we can forget how important and how sweet that relationship can be if we invest into it.
Another thought we can have as we think about waiting is, is waiting passive? Is it something that we do on the couch? I can wait. I can wait for my microwave dinner to cook, and I can just sit on the couch. No matter what you're waiting for, you have an opportunity to be active, to grow in the Lord. Whatever it is you're waiting for, there is an opportunity to hear God and hear his voice through reading and through prayer. There's always time. If scripture says to seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you, sometimes when we're waiting, we forget that part, seek. We can never stop seeking him. In fact, we will never know all the mysteries of scripture, but we, that doesn't stop us from seeking. That doesn't stop us from learning and growing for what he has for us. You know, sometimes it is simply just fear that keeps us from being active in our waiting. It is that fear, because sometimes we're waiting for big things. For example, in the gym, I see a lot of guys that try to handle challenging weights. They'll go from throwing on one 45-pound plate on each side to two or to three, thinking that they, because they handled one, they can handle two. And they get under it, and I, I ask anyone I'm working out with the same question, is, is that, are you doing that because you want to press through that feeling of being uncomfortable and you want to grow? Or is what you're doing unsafe? <laughs> is you throwing on that extra weight going to crush you? Or is it you putting it on because you know it might make me feel a little uncomfortable, but I want to grow? And I think in life sometimes these two words keep getting flipped. We don't have that hard conversation with somebody because we feel uncomfortable, but our brain is sending us signals that says it's unsafe. And in reality, we need to be having that conversation. Sometimes it's for our own good. We need to be seeking help from somebody but our brain says, it's not safe. It's not safe. Whoa, 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 what if? What, 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 what? But really, we just feel uncomfortable. And we need to be analyzing our feelings because our feelings will misguide us. Scripture tells us that the heart is actually inherently wicked. You know, there's a phrase out there in the world today, especially among fitness things, trust the process. Trust the process. I don't know if you guys, if you've seen anything by Nike, you've probably seen it, but trust the process. But the process has always let me down. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I, I have no reason to trust the process. And it's motivating for when you're trying to get to run three miles or four miles or five miles. Sure, trust the process. You keep running, you'll get there. But there's way more things you need to be aware of rather than just the process. Like, am I hurting myself or am I neglecting something else? There's many things we can bring up as to be hesitant about when it comes to the process. But there's a lot that can be had when we trust God. We're all going through a process. In waiting, you are going through a process. It will either be something that is great for you or something that maybe gets a little harder. But we can trust God through that process because I trust God. I don't trust the process. So let's turn to Hebrews 2. This will be the last verse. I know we're, I'm having this jump around, but I love my scripture. So Hebrews chapter 2. If you didn't close your book, you're already almost there. Chapter 2, verses 4. Ooh, did I write the right notes? 14 through 18. What did, we, what did I give you? 14 through 15, even better. All right, two. Verses 14. We'll start with 14. Again, powerful. Hebrews is powerful. And it's not just for a Christian joke about Hebrews coffee. Hebrews is a great, great book of the Bible. And if you are trying to figure out where to begin, if you are stuck in your reading, I, I strongly recommend. Hebrews is just powerful. It'll be full of mysteries, so I suggest... Read it with people, a.k.a. disciple each other. But uh, let's, let's go into 2.14 here. 
Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Now, I didn't even mean to share this, uh, what's coming to me now, but there's a point in Scripture where Jesus says that when a man has unrest with somebody else, when he has a dispute that isn't solved, he is a slave to that person. And obviously he doesn't mean literally. You won't die with this bondage of slavery that you're going to bring anywhere, but your heart becomes a slave to that person when there's unrest, when there's that hard conversation you need to have. If we look at here, it says subject to slavery all their lives. Have you ever felt an emotion so powerful you felt a slave to it? You felt bound by it? I know I have. That's the only reason I can ask. Again, let me point it back at me. I'm not speaking from an angle of, you know, this is the way. I've, I'm following that same path you are, is that we might be free. He would free those through fear of death, we're subject to slavery all their lives. Without God, we are fearful of everything. And this is what brings us back to be strong and courageous, is it, fear begins with the fear of death, which we don't have as believers. God has given us a different direction. He has given us a different path. He's given us a different ending to our story. We do not have to be fearful of death. And if we don't have to be fearful of death, what do we have to be fearful of? And I... I I beg of you today to make a note of Psalm 27 because several times in there, David makes a point that he does not have to be fearful of death and neither do you. So if we don't have to be fearful of death, we don't have to be fearful of anything as we're in our waiting period, as we seek God. We are free, free from fear, discouragement, anxiety, worry. Jesus has fought that battle already and won. That's what the first part is about. Jesus briefly humbled. He fought that battle and he won. He came down. He did that for you. You are free. Live like it. This is what makes the gospel worth sharing. See, sometimes there are churches out there that claim to have movements, and when you sit there and listen to a sermon, you feel like you are good right where you are. Truth is, you're not. Truth is, I'm not. Truth is, the pastor who said that isn't. We need Christ. And if we don't have the gospel, what do we have? And what are we preaching? This is what makes the gospel worth sharing, is that we have a God who loved us so much. See, I'm a father as of a year now. Well, 13 months for those who are counting. Uh, if you're counting the days, I don't know. Um, and when I look at my little boy, and I see him walking, and I remember when he couldn't even walk, and he would just kind of roll around, and I remember when he couldn't even do that, and I would just hold him and he'd sleep on me. And I remember looking at him, and the gospel became so much more alive to me for the first time in my life. Because... God loved us so much that he had his one chance to have a son and he gave him up for us. That hits me in a place that never hit me before. That I can look at my son and that God did the same thing and said, I'm gonna save many through you. That hits me so much different. The gospel has become so much more real to me. I can say it a thousand times over only because it's true. It has hit me so much differently to look at my child and know that God gave up his only son, gave him up, watched him die in the most gruesome way possible so that way we could be saved. 
It's a mystery to me. It's a mystery. But he did that, and that is what's worth sharing. He did that so we would be free from the fear of death, that we would not be subject to fear, worry, anxiety, as we go through the waiting. See, the gospel is more powerful than we can ever imagine. We can preach about it every single Sunday, and we still will never fully grasp the power that is in the gospel. And that's why we preach it. That is why anyone who preaches should be talking about the gospel. It should be somewhere, because this book isn't about you. It's not. It's about Jesus and what he did for you and how he's coming again. This is what is worth sharing. And this is what we bring to Rome, is... I've gotten many questions from people. Who's your pope? Who's your leader? Do you pray to the saints? Who's your saint? As if it's like a Pokemon or something, you know, choose your, choose your character. Who's your saint? I, I respond the same way many times, you know, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let's read, let's look at these scriptures because there are people who have taken these scriptures out of context. Who do you confess to? You know, scripture does say confess your sins. He's willing to forgive to him. <laughs> But we can take these scriptures and we can make them in many ways. And we can turn them in many ways. And how will we ever correct that? Well, while we're in the waiting, while we're waiting for those answers, because we're all waiting for something, and I think together as a group, we're all waiting for COVID to blow over, whatever that will look like, read, grow closer with God, pray, speak to him, cast all your cares on him because he cares about you. So. I turn this back as I get ready to close. What about you? If I were in your shoes, I'd be sitting there watching this guy sharing about this and go, well, what about me? You don't know my specific situation. You don't know what I'm waiting for because I mean it when I say there are people in here who are probably waiting for very, very, very big things. Whether they know it's for a positive or it will be a negative, we're all waiting. And I would probably think, you don't get my situation. You're right, I don't. Only God does. And so as you wait, wait in prayer. Wait in communion with God. Pray with each step you take, and if there's no step to take, stand still and pray. Stay connected to the vine, because that is the most important thing you can do as you wait. Waiting is active and alive because we serve an active and alive God. And when we feel that it's stagnant and slow, it's because Perhaps we are being stagnant and slow. Scripture says many times to turn to him and he will be there. He fights our battles for us. So whatever you are waiting for, my final word for you is whatever your unknown is, be strong and courageous and wait for the Lord. Thank you.